I said, our text for the sermon this morning is Psalm 121, which we have already read. We will respond to the sermon afterwards by singing from Psalm 91, stanza 1 and 5. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we started our worship service this morning with a confession that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Those exact words are found in Psalm 124, verse 8. In that psalm, David says, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. There in Psalm 124, David concludes the psalm with this confession, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. In that psalm, this confession is made in a context where God has delivered his people from fierce enemies. Israel's enemies were far too strong for them. Only God could help and deliver them. Only Yahweh, the Lord, the Almighty, who made heaven and earth, only he can be trusted as our sure deliverer. He alone is our help. Our text here in Psalm 121 starts with the same confession. This time we do not read about fierce enemies. It is still the same confession. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. But this time, the confession is made in a context where the psalm speaks about the normal course of our daily life. This confession, our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth, is now applied to every aspect of our daily life. It is a confession that embraces and captures our whole life, a life under the protection of our Almighty God. The Lord our God is with us to protect and deliver us. It is the application of God's covenant promise that I will be your God. It is a promise sealed by the blood of Christ through faith in our, in our Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh, who made heaven and earth has become our God. This promise applies to all of life. The Lord will not allow your foot to stumble. The Lord is constantly guarding and protecting you day and night. He preserves your going out and your coming in. This means full time from beginning to end. Your going out and coming in is an expression in the Hebrew language which includes all your endeavors from start to finish. In all your doings, wherever you go, the Lord will be with you to help and to guard and to preserve you. So then, we are not only dependent on the Lord when we are attacked by vicious enemies or when we are in great trouble. Every moment of our life, in all circumstances, we are totally dependent on the Lord. As we cling to his promises, we may live assured of his nearness and protection, and rest in the all-sufficient care of our Almighty God. So this morning, we here proclaim this gospel to us with the theme, Our help is from the Lord. And we will note three things. That the Lord is our only help, that his help is unfailing, and that his help is all-inclusive. So we begin by considering that the Lord is our only help. 
This psalm starts with a question. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? The hills or mountains are a natural place for refuge. David, when he fled from Saul, fled to the mountains. David also refers to that historical event where he says in Psalm 11, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? In other parts of Scripture, we also read that the mountains were a place of refuge for God's children, especially in times of war or persecution. Our Lord Jesus, for example, said to his disciples, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of, spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. To flee to the mountains means, in this context, to seek refuge. When the psalmist says that he lifts up his eyes to the mountains or to the hills, as our translation says, it means that he is looking for refuge and safety. But immediately he adds that he will not seek his refuge or safety in the mountains, but in the Lord himself. I will seek refuge, but where will I find it? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is actually saying, I will not trust in any refuge, but the Lord alone is my refuge. He who made heaven and earth, he alone is my help. The Lord, in our translation, Lord, with four capital letters, is a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. It is worthwhile to note that this name, Lord, or Yahweh, is the only name in this psalm by which God is called. The whole psalm uses only this one name for God, Yahweh. The Lord himself has revealed the meaning of this name. By the name Yahweh, we know him as our faithful covenant God who keeps his covenant throughout all generations. It is his memorial name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who remembers and upholds his covenant in unchanging and steadfast faithfulness, as we learn from Exodus chapter 3. This name Yahweh is now used throughout this psalm. In this way, we are reminded that the one who made heaven and earth, that is, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, is our faithful covenant God. All the promises of this psalm flow from that covenant which Yahweh has made with Abraham and his children. Dear congregation, in and through our Lord Jesus Christ, this covenant is also made with us and our children. The New Testament clearly states that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham, and that through faith in Christ we become heirs of the same covenant promises, which God swore to Abraham in Galatians chapter 3. In Christ and through Christ, he is our God, and we are heirs of all his promises. Yahweh, the almighty and faithful God, has made the same covenant also with us and our children. And that is the starting point of this psalm, the foundation on which the rest of the psalm builds and elaborates. When we read this psalm in the light of the rest of Scripture, it becomes clear that this trust in the Lord that He is our help is a trust that excludes all others. If anyone trusts in the Lord, then he trusts in the Lord alone. Or to say it the other way around, 
If someone does not trust in the Lord alone, then he does not trust in the Lord at all. The trust in the Lord is a trust that excludes all others. It excludes mountains. It excludes kings and princes. It excludes any trust in man. And thus we read in many parts of Scripture that we should not put our trust in man or any other creature. Put not your trust in princess, in the son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth. In Psalm 146. It is a refrain throughout all of Scripture. Do not trust in any man or creature. Trust in God alone. For example, we can also read in Jeremiah 17, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. It is put so strongly that anyone who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength is cursed. Dear congregation, we also confess in Lord's Day 34 that Idolatry is having or inventing something in which to put our trust instead of or in addition to the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. By our nature, our sinful flesh seeks and invents all kinds of things to put our trust in, in addition to the Lord. It may even happen in the church if we were to start to trust in our numbers, our prosperity, our manpower, or wisdom, or whatever. It happens when man becomes very important and God less important. When we forget that, his, that he is the almighty creator of heaven and earth and that we are in ourselves nothing but dust, we easily imagine that we do have some strength and ability in ourselves, that we are able to deal with the situations of life in our own strength. But again and again, the Scripture calls us back to the Lord, who is our only help. And so also here in Psalm 121, the meaning is not that the Lord is one source of help in the midst of other sources, or even our best help. No, He is our only help. He, the Almighty, who made heaven and earth, He alone is our help. If He is for us, nothing can be against us. If he would withdraw his help, no creature would be able to help us. Everything depends on him alone. And yes, apart from the Lord, all of our trust would be idolatry. So, dear brothers, in order to confirm us in this undivided trust in the Lord, the psalm now also continues by proclaiming to us how the Lord will remain with us and preserve us unfailingly. And so we see in our second point that his help is unfailing. Verses 3 and 4 of our text say, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Our translation says, He will not let your foot be moved. This text can also be translated as, He will not allow your foot to stumble or to slip. The meaning here is that God, our Lord, will keep you from falling. We get the same, for example, in Psalm 17, where David prays to the Lord, My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. The stumbling or slipping of our footsteps 
is a picture which is used in Scripture for departing from the Lord's ways or falling into sin. When the Lord keeps our feet from stumbling or slipping, He keeps us from falling in the spiritual and moral sense of the word. Think, for example, of Psalm 94, where we read, If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have soon lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. Or another example, from 1 Samuel 2, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. So this expression, to keep our foot from stumbling, often means to keep us from falling into sin and destruction, which ends in darkness and death. But how does the Lord keep your foot from stumbling? Congregation, our confession spells this out for us. Consider the Canons of Dort, chapter 5, the perseverance of the saints. The Lord will preserve his saints from utter fall and destruction. He will preserve us from falling away from him. He will preserve us unfailingly. This does not mean that God's children will never stumble. We do often stumble because of our own sin and stubbornness or because of our own carelessness when we forget to watch and pray. But by the grace of God, God's elect will never utterly fall. The Lord will not allow that. He will, with unfailing care and power, keep our feet from destruction. The scripture gives us many examples of this. Think, for example, of David's life. David also sinned, but the Lord kept him from falling away. The Lord himself keeps his feet on the way. He will not let your foot be moved. He will preserve the course of our lives. He guards your every step on the way. Furthermore, he who guards us in this way never slumbers. You do not have to be afraid that something will happen to you while our keeper is asleep. He who keeps you will not slumber, verse 3. You will remember how the prophet Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. All day long they were crying out to Baal, saying, O Baal, hear us. And then at noon, Elijah started to mock them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. Maybe Baal was a bit absent-minded, caught up in deep thought. Or maybe he is asleep. Cry a bit louder. Maybe you will manage to wake him up. But of course, Baal was nothing than a dumb image without sight or hearing. And then in contrast to the idol of man's own imagination, we know how the living God responded there on Mount Carmel. He who made heaven and earth does not sleep or slumber. You don't have to be afraid that for one moment you will miss his attention or his protection. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Note the word Israel, he who keeps Israel. The psalmist knew himself to be part of God's covenant people. In fact, he claims these promises as his own because he is one of Israel. The promises are made to God's people as a whole, and it also applies to each of us as members individually. God has given these promises to his covenant people Israel, his church in the Old Testament. And whatever God has promised to his church, each believer may also claim for himself. 
The psalmist is not inventing special promises for himself, but simply believes the revealed promises of God, which he made with his people Israel. We already mentioned that the name Lord, Yahweh, who remains faithful to his covenant, is the only name for God that is used in this psalm. The whole psalm, just as the rest of Scripture, has to be understood within the context of God's covenant with his people. And brothers and sisters, we are part of God's covenant people. Everyone who is in Christ has become an heir of those same promises. God's care as our covenant God extends to this whole church. And if you want to be assured that God will be your keeper, personally, you have to start you have to take your starting point in the covenant which God made with all his people. I am part of his people, his church. This promise is also for me. In order to assure us that God has a special care for each one of us in particular, the psalmist points to the promise which God made to the whole people of Israel and declares God to be the guardian of his church. And from this promise that extends to the whole church, which we all possess in common, each of us may draw personal comfort. In Christ, all God's promises are yes and amen, true and sure. Each of us may draw as from a fountain, stream of blessings, as we apply all God's promises to our own life. And this is what the psalmist is doing here. After making the statement in verse 4 that the Lord keeps Israel, he also confirms this promise to each individual. The Lord is your keeper. The keeper of his church is also the keeper of each individual member. And, this, and in this way, the psalm continues, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Our translation says that he is your shade on your right hand, but the same Hebrew word, which is tra here translated as shade, may also be translated as shadow. When we consider that the text does not speak of a shade over or above us, but a shade next to us at our right hand, we should rather translate the Hebrew word with shadow. He does not say here with this expression that the Lord is a shade above us or over us to protect us from the heat of the sun, but instead that he is our shadow at your right hand. What does that mean? He is speaking here of the constant closeness of the Lord. The Lord's presence follows you as closely as your own shadow. When a small child for the first time discovers his own shadow and realizes that the shadow follows him, it sometimes causes us some amusement. The child may try to run away from his own shadow or to beat his own shadow on the tricycle, but a shadow will keep up with him all the time. Or a, shadow, or a child may stand still watching his shadow and then suddenly jump to the side to see if the shadow is quick enough to follow his movement. Or he may try to outsmart his shadow by unsuspected movements but the shadow never stays behind. Some of you children may remember doing this, but you finally give up, seeing that it is impossible to get away from your own shadow. It is this closeness of your shadow which is now used as a picture to illustrate the closeness of the Lord. He remains with you all the way, all the time, unfailingly. Once we understand this picture, it provides great comfort. The Lord, our keeper, never leaves us. He always remains right next to us, at our side, ready to help. And how easily we forget this. 
How easily do we start to doubt this promise? When our faith is put to the test, we often fail to cling to these promises and think that perhaps the Lord has forgotten us. How comforting then to hear the words of the Lord reassuring us that he will always remain at our right hand, carefully keeping watch, always ready to help and deliver. Brothers and sisters, these promises were not given to sinless people who never stumble. These promises were given to us, people who do often stumble and sin. The righteous who keeps God's covenant and obey his covenants also stumble. So what then is the difference between the righteous and the ungodly? The difference is not that the righteous never sins or stumbles, but that as often as the righteous sins, he repents. And after stumbling, he turns to the Lord, trusting his promises, asking for forgiveness and restoration. And so the righteous lives by faith, believing God's revealed promises. While the ungodly departs from the Lord and rejects his word, the righteous seeks his help from the Lord. Yes, as the righteous, we live by faith, trusting the Lord, trusting his promises, living by and through these promises. The righteous confesses the Lord is my help. Brothers and sisters, these promises embrace our entire life and include every aspect of our lives from beginning to end. And so we note in the final place that the Lord's help is all-inclusive. Consider verse 6 of our text. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. This means that the Lord protects us day and night. It reminds us of the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, through which the Lord provided for his people Israel on their journey through the desert. In the daytime, it provided shade to protect his people against the burning sun. At night, the pillar of fire provided light and protection. And so in the cloud by day and the fire by night, the Lord went before them and with them for their guidance and protection day and night. His protection will shield us from evil. In verse 7 we read, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Does that mean that we will experience no evil in this life? Not at all. We can all expect many afflictions and trouble in this life of sorrow. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them, Psalm 34. We do indeed experience many sorrows. But in the midst of adversity and hardships and persecutions that God's children will experience in this world, the Lord preserves us all from evil, from all evil. He will only allow that which serves for our salvation and will turn all of our adversities to our benefit. In the midst of all your troubles, he will preserve your soul. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore, verse 8. As mentioned already, the expression, your going out and your coming in, includes all your endeavors from start to finish. Your going out refers to the start of your journey, and your coming in refers to your return after the completion of your journey. It refers to the start and also to the completion of all your activities. When the Lord promises to preserve your going out and your coming in, 
He promises to preserve you on all your ways from start to finish. His protection and help is all-inclusive, day and night protection from all evil on all your ways from start to finish. And yes, even forevermore. This promise lasts not only a lifetime, not only just this life, but for all eternity. All these promises will find their everlasting fulfillment in glory, where God will be with us as our God forever. His promises are true, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, it is only the Lord Yahweh, our faithful covenant God, the Almighty, who made heaven and earth, who will keep his promises. So let us put our trust in him, who through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, has become our God and Father. These promises of the covenant have been sealed by the blood of Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we are heirs of these promises in this life and the next, forever. Amen.